Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Keeping It Local podcast powered by First Federal Bank. As you know, we have been living in a crazy market really since the pandemic started. And this year, we've all been hit with rapidly increasing interest rates. Today, we're going to break this down. We're going to talk about how the current climate is affecting both businesses and individuals. We're going to dive into different areas of the economy and how to best navigate this market, as well as what we might be able to expect moving forward. Joining me, I have our CFO at First Federal Bank, Steve Worsham, as well as Mark Gall, the Vice President at, at BOK Financial. Steve and Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thanks, Richie. Steve, do you mind telling us a little bit about your role with the bank and also what Mark's doing with us here today? Yeah. Uh, sure. So uh, I'm uh, the CFO at, at First Federal Bank. I've been with the bank for two and a half years after a, a long career in public accounting. Um, in addition to overseeing the accounting and finance functions of the bank, um, I, I also uh, manage the teams uh, in the compliance and in IT area. So I've got a good perspective on both the uh, operations of the bank as well as the bank's performance. Um, and maybe just inter- turn it over to Mark to introduce himself. Yeah, thanks. Uh, my name is Mark Gall. I work for BOK Financial, and and really my job is to go out with uh, community banks. That's my primary focus, helping the management teams kind of sift through the economic information, economic landscape, and figure out what does that mean for their balance sheet? So what does it mean for loans and deposits, and what is that outlook, and how do we make the best decisions with what's there? Uh, my background is is more in finance and economics. Uh, so I graduate of UW-Lacrosse and have been working in this business in the state of Wisconsin uh, on community banks for the last almost 20 years at this point. And we work with, with, with Mark in that role. Um, and the reason I thought it'd be good to have Mark on the podcast is we often talk about uh, complex topics uh, at the bank when we're working together. And, and Mark does a really great job of kind of explaining the complex topics in, in very simple terms for, for layman's like myself. Great. Well, we'll, uh, we'll want you guys to do that today for layman's like almost everyone listening. So <laughs> let's dive in. Just to kick things off, do you just want to talk about a little overview of what what is the Fed and what they've done to get us to where we are right now in this environment? Sure. If we look at just what the Fed is. So the Fed is the central bank for the U.S. And what their job is kind of twofold. They've got a mandate to keep full employment, which means there's enough jobs available if people want them, and make sure that the economy is going so that consumers have enough earnings power in order to drive any sort of spending in the economy. The second fold is they want to keep prices stable. So when you look at the Fed and say, what is the Fed trying to do with inflation and what is inflation? You're looking at what are the interest rates at and how do we make sure that um, prices aren't rising too fast? A couple examples of just where the inflation rate's at and how much it's uh, impacting the average consumer is even if you go into the grocery store, you can notice that you know, milk prices or cereal prices have gone up substantially uh, year over year. And so when you're looking at how much do you have in earnings increases in your your salary, might be 3%, but if the cost of everything that you're buying goes up by 10 or 20%, that's a big problem because now consumers have less in the way of disposable income to spend and the economy just can't continue to roll when things are getting more and more expensive. 
gas is another thing. When you're looking at how much does it take to fill up a, a tank of gas to get to work, it's eating more and more of that discretionary income. And so the Fed's job is trying to take you know, all of these things in the economy to make sure that there's ample opportunity for people to work, but also make sure that things aren't getting too expensive and out of control, that you know our, our prices are stable, and they've got a couple tools to do that. So a little bit of, of what we'll talk about today is where are we at? Why are we here? And and how did we get to a point where the Fed's got to overcorrect so much this year and have such a rapidly changing rate environment? And maybe, Mark, it'd be helpful, um, as you mentioned, uh, why are we here? If you could talk a bit about how we got here, what what, what influenced um, what influenced the kind of the higher than expected inflation rate? Sure. And part of that is rewinding back to last year or, or even two years ago. So if we do uh, the COVID pandemic, so if you try to rewind back to 2020 and think about what was happening during that time when COVID was in initially hitting, the federal government basically said, everyone's got to stay at home. We've got businesses that are closing down. Airline travel was going down to near zero. And we had just kind of panic. Nobody's gone through this before. And so the federal government decided we need to you know, continue to have people get paid while they're not able to go to work. Um, and so there was a fair amount of federal spending that occurred during this time. Part of it was through, on the business side, the Pay Paycheck Protection Act, um, or that program, which allowed businesses, small businesses, to retain employees and continue to pay them during that time. Um, but that was some more stimulus that came into the, the market. Individuals got some uh, checks on stimulus as well. And so all in all, we had the federal government spend about $5 trillion. It's a huge number. And it's hard to really imagine how much, you know, if you stack dollar bills, where would that reach? It's, it's one of those things that it's just unimaginable numbers that the federal government kind of poured into the economy during this time. And at the same time, the, the Fed, for their part, they dropped interest rates down to near zero, and then they built up their balance sheet by buying securities. So that helped mortgage rates go down dramatically, which helped you know, fuel people's ability to refinance. Refinancing a loan to a lower rate allowed people to have more dollars to spend because you have less in the way of interest that's going in your payment. And so now you have more dollars that you can spend on other things. So that refinance really helped this, this boom. And so people felt really good. The problem with inflation ended up being everyone had money. And the US economy, generally people like to do stuff or do things. You know, so you're you're going to sporting events or you're going to concerts. Uh, you like to travel. Those are experiential things. You like to go to restaurants. Well, the federal government gave a lot of money to people at a time when all of that was shut. So you couldn't go and spend your money on those things. So what did people do? They ended up buying things. You know, so they were refurbishing their house or they were, you know, buying new furniture. They were looking for you know, an RV or a boat or something that was recreational and you couldn't get it. And so everyone had money and there wasn't enough of these goods. And that caused prices to go up because everyone was trying to get such fewer uh, and fewer items that were out there. And think about car lots that were near empty because there weren't enough cars that were there. And so if you look at what happened, we had so much money that is still kind of swimming around and not enough of those goods. And now services are, are opening up a little bit. And now we have to unwind all of that because it's rapidly changing on the opposite side where it's causing a, a lot more problems for prices. And, and, that, and that continued as well when things opened up because where you know people may have been spending more money when things were shut down on uh, refurbishing their home, once things opened up, everybody wanted to travel. So the, the same 
dollars we're competing for travel experiences as well. Exactly. When you think about airline fares, if anyone tried to book uh, an airline ticket, and we looked at airline tickets, and, and it used to be where you could fly you know, somewhere warm, and it would be pretty inexpensive to do that. And then you looked at airline fares, and it's like, wow, that's really expensive. And it was because once things opened up, everyone wanted to go out and travel and experience again. Well, there's only a certain number of seats available. And part of that issue was that you didn't have enough airline employees, so the number of flights weren't that you couldn't ramp up to the same level. And so this demand for those seats made things more expensive. And we're still dealing with that, where airline fares are pretty expensive. So people want to travel. Maybe they got through their summer traveling. But you know, when you start thinking about where do we go from here, and the consumer, given how expensive things are and how much we might have spent already through summer, maybe having credit card bills that we now have to pay off at much higher interest rates. And that's going to be a more difficult task to look at well, what's the next trip going to look like and what can I afford for my next trip or my next activity that I want to do? Mark, are a lot of these higher prices still supply and demand related and the big rise in interest rates, you did a good job of explaining why interest rates went down. It seemed like the government really wanted to step in and help people out and there was all this free money available basically and people took advantage of that. But why, why are they back up or why are they up? Yes. At this point. So the, the thought is, and I'll use a, a home mortgage rate, for example. So home, home mortgage rates would have dropped down to you know less than 3%. And you think about how much of that 3% interest you know, would go into your payment. And you look at how much home could I buy? If I'm on a payment plan where I'm looking at, well, what is my monthly payment? And what can I afford? If a smaller amount is going to interest, that means a bigger amount can go to principal, means I can buy a bigger home. And so home prices were going up pretty dramatically. So now as the Fed has raised rates, home mortgage rates, depending on where you look, could be topping 7%. So they're more than double where they were before. And so the amount that I'm now paying in interest for that same home is substantially more. So if I only have a certain amount of a fixed payment that I can afford in my budget and a bigger portion goes to interest, that means I can just buy a smaller home. And so what the Fed is trying to do by raising interest rates is kind of take some of that demand or people's ability to buy things. Same thing on the business side, businesses' ability to continue to grow and expand, it's making it more expensive. So then businesses and consumers will be more selective on what they are purchasing or what they're demanding. And by doing that, it ultimately will slow the economy and hopefully get prices kind of back in check because now we don't have just so many people trying to go out and do something um, or chase those those few goods. On the other side, you know, what What hopefully we're going to get to is a position where we've got more workers that are kind of coming into the jobs that are filling the gaps, and now we'll get more supply. So that would help keep prices in check as well if we get both lower demand and just more supply of goods and services out there. You touched on the housing market. A lot of people are curious about that. A lot of people moved toward the pandemic. We saw an influx of first-time home buyers. I was I was one by myself. It seems like although the interest rates have gone up quite a bit, do you see much of a change in house prices in this market? So I might ask Steve to to chime in a little bit on that, but generally speaking, house prices in this market didn't go up quite as much, and so they probably won't come down quite as much. It'll be more extreme when you start looking at different markets like a lot of people were moving out of California during the the pandemic because the idea was it was really expensive to live in California. If my job required that I go into the office, I had to be there. But when everyone got to go and work remote, then they decided I don't have to I don't have to live in a place that's that expensive. So I can move to 
Idaho or Montana or you know, Nevada or Arizona. I can move wherever I want. So some of those markets appreciated pretty substantially. More than likely, those will correct back more. And then we'll probably see um, second home purchases decline as well. So that was another thing during the pandemic. People not only bought their first home, but they bought a second home, a vacation home because it was pretty cheap to get a mortgage. And maybe you bought a home in Florida or Arizona. And if that was the case, now it's way more expensive to buy that. And so eventually, I think house prices will come down. They haven't yet, but you definitely are seeing some softness in the real estate market from the standpoint of what's coming on to the market. There's just fewer people that are willing to move if they look at it and say, I locked into a 3% mortgage. Now, if I move and go into a next house, my next mortgage is going to be at seven. Maybe I'll just stay in my home for a little while and kind of wait it out. Yeah. And, and Mark hinted at this. I, I think what we're seeing in terms of um, home prices and demand, uh, especially on the on the pricing side, I think there's still an expectation of the seller that they could get what they got three months ago, six months ago for their for their house. So I don't know that we, we've necessarily, necessarily seen pricing come down, but certainly that, w- that will happen over time. Mm-hmm. Do you, um, I have some friends that are almost trying to wait it out in a way for things to come down or for mortgage rates to come down. If you look at rates historically, I mean, 7% still isn't that high, right? Um, do you guys have any advice for those people? <laughs> I, I don't know that uh, in the short term that that rates are, are, are going to come down. It's, it's certainly, and we can talk about um, kind of where the Fed goes from here and, and how that could, could impact rates two, three years from now. Um, but, but, you know, that is a, that is a strategy. Um, there's other options for, um, how you finance your home. You know, traditionally, um, people are interested in a 30 year fixed rate mortgage. There's also, um, uh, arm products that, that hold the rates, um, for seven, five years, and then uh, adjust after that, and, and typically those rates are, are lower than a thirty-year mortgage. Um, also, fifteen-year mortgages are, are usually slightly cheaper. So, so there's options there, and, and what we're seeing is that uh, there's there's more interest in uh, the adjustable rate products currently than um, there have been historically when when rates were as low as they were. And I think when you look at where where rates are at. We're really rewinding back to basically where rates might have been pre-great financial crisis. So that would have been 2008, 2009. So when you look at mortgage rates, when you look at treasury rates, any of the rates in the market, we're kind of getting back to that point. So we were in a period of the last 10, 12 years where rates were just extraordinarily low. And that's what people got used to. Things were really, really low. And and now it's getting used to a little bit higher rate environment. So, you know, if anyone's looking at, you know, trying to wait it out, it's hard to time perfectly. The other thing is when you're looking at a home, a home maybe has a little bit different utility than something else where you can look at it and say, you know, if I have a specific neighborhood that I want to live in and I have a specific kind of look of a home that I want or different features. It's kind of hard to say I'm going to pass that one up because the price is a little bit higher and I'm going to wait it out because that same home is going to get cheaper in a year. Some, sometimes you have to look at it and say, can I afford it today? Can I get financing for it? And the one thing about residential mortgages is if you take out a mortgage today, there really isn't any disadvantage or there's no penalty other than you'd have to pay a, few, a little bit in the way of cost to refinance it if rates go back down. So you may have your house that you paid a little bit more for. Uh, but 
you've got the satisfaction of knowing I've got the home that I wanted. So there is a little bit of that balance. You do have people that generally try to time it and, and get the best deal that they can, but there's an enjoyment factor about where you live as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about recommendations for uncertain ec- economic times, both on the consumer end and on the business end. Do you guys have any rules of thumb that you think people as well as companies should be living by? Sure. I'll start out and then I'll pass it over to Steve for for a little bit of, of thoughts there. But it, for the average consumer, I'll start there. Um, when you're starting to think about where we're at, we went through a period where money was easy, where it was it was pretty easy, where the federal government was giving away stimulus dollars. You know, everyone could kind of buy what they wanted. Things are now getting much more expensive. So I would say for the regular consumer, starting to either budget and see where your dollar is actually going. Now, the other thing that I think consumers are maybe unaware of is if you do have credit card balances that are carrying from month to month, what is the interest rate that you're actually paying on that? Because that can get pretty expensive pretty quickly. Um, and then when you look at going into the winter months, if you're a, a homeowner or even renting and you have to pay utilities, the price of home heating is going to be up substantially from what it was last year. And so really starting to prepare for those things of those higher costs, it may be that I can't I can't live paycheck to paycheck. I do need to have some sort of savings in place and I need to be prepared for higher costs that are coming and coming pretty quick. And if we have a bad winter and it's pretty cold, you could easily see that your home heating bill is going to eat up a good portion of your disposable income. So I would say starting to prepare for it now where the weather is still you know, decent, uh, I think is a good place to start. And then I'll throw it over to Steve for some uh, uh, more, you know, thoughts on on the, the consumer and the business side. Yeah. So um, I, that's, I, I think that's great advice on um, anticipating uh, increased costs and, and putting some money aside going into the, the winter months and the potential recession um, that everybody's talking about. Um, specifically on, on credit card debt in and how we can can help um, consumers. The rate that you pay, it's the credit cards are a great product, assuming you pay them off every month. But if you start carrying a balance, the rate that you pay on that credit card uh, can be extremely high. Um, a, a much uh, cheaper way to um, finance your your lifestyle um, is through a, a line of credit, borrowing against the equity on your home. Uh, that rate is going to be a lot more attractive than uh, relying on your credit card. Um, similarly, uh, on the commercial side for small businesses, even though they may not need access to credit right now, it's always great to have a, a line of credit available in case the need comes up. If in case we hit a recession, um, your you know your business doesn't perform as well as as you were expecting, and you, and you need a little extra cash. Um, having uh, lining up that credit now, and uh, so that you have access to it, if the uh, economy turns and it impacts your business, is a great way to ensure the the stability of your business. And that's if you're a homeowner taking equity against your mortgage and Correct. getting a line of credit that way yeah. for a much lower rate. That is. Something good to be aware of. Um, any other pieces of advice for individuals or businesses? I, I think my my overarching, uh, I guess, sentiment would be the economy is really uncertain right now. So th- things maybe feel good when you look at consumer confidence, 
feels a little bit more pessimistic just because there's a lot of uncertainty as it relates to you hear about recession all the time, you hear about what could come, but I think until we're actually in it, you don't really know how bad it could get. Um, not that we're thinking that it's going to be 2008, 2009, 2010, where you have you know a massive kind of industry upheaval and 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 a lot of different things that are going to be very negative. But I think that preparation for you know what could come um, is is useful at this point. So kind of getting your ducks in a row, as Steve mentioned, on on different lines of credit, even if you don't need it right now. And I think that's where where people can start to prepare. Because particularly on the consumer side, I think the the number one you know place that people feel stress in their lives is on finances, and so if you can kind of get ahead of it, get yourself a plan in in place before you get to that position where things get really really tough, I think you're going to be far ahead of the game than just waiting it out and saying things are going to be fine, and then oops, you know now they're not fine, and now I need to figure something out. So a little bit of of preparedness, I think, would go a long way. And just to close things out, I want to talk about future economic outlook. And I know it's very hard to predict and you don't have a crystal ball in front of you, but um, going <laughs> going forward, are there any expectations that you guys have or any certain events to look out for that could affect the infect inflation or shake the economy one way or another? Yeah, I think that the overarching theme is is going to be the Fed was so easy on money for so long, and now they're tightening really, really quick. And I think what we don't know is what the ultimate impact of that is. Usually there's some expectation that it takes six months to a year before the economy fully feels the impact of it. And the Fed really started raising rates in, in March of this year. So it won't be until sometime next year that we're going to feel the full effects of what does this actually do. And so from the Fed standpoint, if they continue on tightening and, and closing off financial you know, access to a certain extent, that has ripple effects through the, the, the U.S. economy, but it also has impacts through the global economy. And so the challenge is for the Fed to look at it and say, when do we take a step back and take a wait and see approach instead of keep going? And so right now, the hope is the Fed will be able to figure that out in time before it, it gets too late and they do something that kind of breaks the economy in a, in a, in a worse way. Um, but I think from the standpoint of where do we go from here, as we, we talked about mortgage rates, even if the Fed keeps raising the short-term interest rate being prime in Fed funds, doesn't necessarily mean that mortgage rates are going to continue moving up in lockstep. So it may be that we're getting closer to the high rate in, in mortgages, but it may be that the short um, Fed funds rate and the prime rate continue to move up, which again, ties to, to home equity lines, it ties to credit card um, loans. Um, but it is possible that we're getting closer to the the end of this than the beginning. And then it's just a matter of having the economy kind of settle back into a normal state of growth versus this really sharp slowdown during COVID and then really sharp recovery. Now we can maybe get back to even, you know, give or take a little bit of positive and negative. And, and hopefully we're on a smoother path going forward. And it, it, it's very challenging to... Uh, to hit that soft landing with the economy, so it'll 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 be interesting to see how things play out, and and hopefully for the best. Absolutely, Stephen, Mark, thank you guys for joining me, and everyone for tuning into this episode of the Keeping It Local podcast, powered by First Federal Bank. If you got value out of this, please share with your friends, write a review, and subscribe. 